Welcome to Bold Conscious Connections. My name is Raju Panjwani and I'm a certified leadership coach. And I'm Trisha Ramos, a certified high performance coach. Together, we help business leaders redefine success on their terms to create more space and energy so that they live impactful lives. Everyone wants to be seen, heard and understood. So at a deeper level, we know that the collective consciousness is important to raise in this world and leaders who are influencers can make that difference. We in our coaching programs teach people how to focus on the interconnectedness, heart-centeredness and growth from within. And this is what this podcast will be about. So stay tuned and subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. Talk to you very soon. Hey Ari, this, welcome for welcome to this podcast. Uh, we've been friends for a while, but I want to introduce you to our audience. Um, so why don't you just take a few seconds to to tell tell them who you are? Uh, so. Um... I am a personal friend of Raju from a previous life in banking. Um, but for the benefit of this discussion, I and all of us are consciousness related beings and psychical magnets who attract everything we think, everything we say, everything we feel and everything we do through the law of cause and effect. So with that in mind, um, you can take everything that is said in this podcast with a grain of salt. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, it leaves it open to possibilities. So that's a great way to, to start this conversation. Yes. All right. Let's go. So uh, welcome, Ari. It's been such an amazing journey for me to get to know you over these years. And, and truly, um, you've been a dream, as I was telling Trisha earlier, you've been a dream of mine to have on some platform of this kind. We had no idea uh, when we were going to start these podcasts, but the we went back to look and you, you, you were, uh, we, we began thinking about this in August, uh, so almost four months ago. And so for me, thank you. And I think it's fair to say it's dream come true for me so so appreciate you being here it's a pleasure being here thank you both for the invite yes, and thank you for your friendship so um you know behind us it says bold and conscious 2021 <laughs> so we we did a, a live uh, event uh, on friday uh it's two hours um so our as i said we our mission is about you know empowering bold and courageous leaders to take action that's inspired from the heart and so they can go make the difference to the world and so th this podcast is just one of the many ways that we reach out to people so the first question i really have for you and before do you have anything you want to start with trisha i'm sorry no no we're good is, is when the word bold is is uh, spoken what does that mean to you and and why do you think it's important uh not just in your work, but in the workplace today? To me, the word bold suggests uh, a call for being fearless, hmm. um, daring, um, audacious, to take risk, 
in life um, to push beyond the comfort zone and to test the limits of what you're capable of, what's possible, and uh, to make new mistakes. By not repeating them, but to be bold enough to take them and to make them, I mean. That's what that means to me. <laughs> so in the context of, you know, not just 2021, I mean, there's this circumstantial stuff that happens all the time. It's just that this one time it enveloped the whole world. So you know, the, the, there is a lot of conversations going on about, you know, who we are, why we're here all of a sudden, as if this was a new thing to ponder. And then there is conversations about future of work. Uh, what does it mean? How will I survive? How will I thrive? Where, where, where do you come out on in, in the context of what you just said about being fearless, right? What does that mean for the for those people who who lead businesses or divisions and whose industries have just gone, you know, poof overnight. Uh, what, did, what, what should they be thinking about when it comes to being fearless and, and how do you transition to that? Well, the world has changed in a big way, but that's not new. Um, everybody knows the cliche statement that the only constant thing in life is change but most people work very hard to create routines and patterns, whether they be good or bad patterns, uh, to instill the illusion of um, the opposite of change. <laughs> mm. uh, so many people uh, dislike change that, uh, Many of the things we do in life uh, are based around the idea of creating permanence. And so I believe the biggest lesson we could learn in life uh, with regards to COVID is to be adaptable, to recognize the change is inevitable but because that's not a new realization, I guess what's new is that sometimes change can be big and sometimes change can be global. And uh, sometimes it could be something very small that tips the entire direction of a people in a different direction. So uh, sometimes it takes one person to change the direction of the entire mm. world. Yeah. And that could be someone listening to this podcast. Mm. Um, and if it isn't one person to change the direction of the entire planet, it could be that one person that changed another person's life. So um, yeah, change is inevitable. Adapting to change is a strength. Being flexible and uh, nimble 
to receive uh, the change and the more positive attitude in the face of change, instead of looking at it as an ending, one can choose to see it as a new beginning, which in fact, it's both. It's an ending and it's a new beginning. Um, but that subtlety is um, quite meaningful. It's uh, similar to uh, leaving New York to uh, move to New Jersey mm. uh, or moving to New Jersey because you're leaving New York. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, even though the act is the same, the motivation and the intention is completely different. If you're running away from something, that something will come with you. If you're moving towards something, um, that means you, you have evolved from that which you're moving away from. And therefore it's unlikely that it will come with you. So yeah, change, um, change is a positive. We're always changing physics says that our body changes every seven years. We, we get a new entire body, right? Mm -hmm. Atomically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, consciousness wise, there are seven stages of human evolution, spiritually, energetically. So changes uh, as inevitable as life and death. So So from your perspective, from where you sit, Ari, I loved what you were saying about moving towards something versus running away from something. So from where you sit and what you've observed with what is really important for leaders to keep in mind, having had the year we just had and moving into this new calendar year of 2021, what would you say are, let's say, maybe three things for leaders to be more conscious about as far as moving towards something and letting go, letting go or moving away from what no longer works? What would those three things be or ideas, thoughts that you would share? Well, that would depend on the context of leadership um, and uh, whether it was um, spiritual leadership, financial leadership, economic leadership, political leadership, um, healthcare leadership. Um, so every, every leader um, has to contextualize the environment and the uh, people they're leading. I guess the most important factor is the people. I think that is the number one factor to take stock in um, who, who, who within 
the group of people that you're leading are leaders and who within the group of people that you're leading are followers. Are you leading leaders or are you leading followers? Mm -hmm. uh, usually it'll probably be a combination of both, but do you have immediately below you or next to you a group of followers that are yes men and women? Or do you have immediately next to you a group of leaders that you're leading? Um, that makes a that makes a very big difference. Um, also, are you hiring people to tell you what to do? Are you hiring people so you could tell them what to do? Um, and uh, are you paying attention to the effects of your actions, not just within your organization, but uh, within the marketplace that you are? allegedly serving by being true to the cause you claim to be effectuating or are you um, failing to deliver the promise you sold? So Yeah, I would be very focused on the people. I think we the people are the value. We the people are the ultimate value. And any leader who fails to recognize the value of its team um, yeah, fails to recognize the value of life. Mm. Not sure that I gave you three reasons exactly there, but uh, I've never enumerated them like that before. I think it's uh, beautiful to begin with that idea mm. and appreciate, you know, you presenting. It's it's either you're doing this or you're not doing that. You're doing this, and it's bringing awareness to really what leadership is about. It's about empowering others, and uh, it isn't just about having you know, people around you following. I love what you said. Are you leading leaders or are you leading followers? Because certainly in this new year, if we're going to figure something out, create something better than what we left behind, it would require that level of participation from everyone. And so being mindful of who you choose to be on your teams and then creating the opportunities for them to be able to actually play in that space in the way that they they're able to do it well uh, i think is important for for leaders to step into so that's one people and even though there are all these different industries and different spaces i listening to you it really is it's universal you know, a lot of these concepts. And when you get beyond the people part, what would you say is the second thing that's important? Um, a positive mental attitude. Mm. So understanding the inexorable uh, 
and inescapable law of causality, um, one must have a positive mental attitude. Um, and I don't mean to be a Pollyanna, and I don't mean to be, don't worry, be happy. Mm. I mean to ground yourself in a neutral place and lean towards being positive. So a negative thought comes in. If you cannot flip it into a positive thought, you should make an effort to neutralize it. Uh, if a positive thought comes in, be sure to ground it and then let it fly. Uh, excessive positivity is no better than excess negativity. Um, there has to be a grounding. And I think that uh, thoughts, positive mental attitude and positive thinking must be grounded in neutrality. And I think that that neutral positive equalization uh, creates for unavoidable neutral positive consequences. That's all so beautifully said. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, we, we, we did this on Friday. We, we, we call this the, you know, the, the one side of, of a column is a frequency, the energy, and then the other side is the emotion you feel. And uh, what you were just saying about, about the, the neutrality. And then when you're feeling the negative emotion, what do you do to get, get grounded in that line, you know, in, in that middle? So we, we, we refer to that as the line of courage or the bold line uh, that you need to be at so that you can be at least uh, have a chance at, you know, flying in the other direction. Otherwise you're going to go deep into the, the rabbit hole. But anyway, so I, I'm just, uh, that just, it just resonated with me so much. Yeah, I think most people fail to understand or recognize and even experience the, the might of their thoughts. Mm. Um, thoughts are so much more powerful than we have as a society on earth come to understand in mass, albeit there are a few elites who understand it all too well, mm. uh, better than I would like. Um, but uh, thoughts are what give way to how we feel. Thoughts are creative, powerful, constructive, productive, and always successful. Mm. And uh, the law of causality guarantees mm -hmm. its success. So uh, if we do well in taking care of ourselves first and to mind our thoughts in a neutral, positive, equalized manner, there is a guarantee that a successful 
consequence from there will produce neutral positive equalized results inexorably. Mm. So if one is doing that internally, it is very likely that one's feelings, one's words, and one's actions will follow suit. And what a wonderful world it would be if everyone took care of their own internal garden mm. in such a way. We'd have a paradise all over because everybody would be uh, in the same place. I mean, not that everyone would be equal, but everybody would be minding their garden and the fruits would all be different. But in general, they will all be neutral, positive and equalized. And a variety of fruits, always great. Tropical fruits, uh, not, not the same as strawberries and blueberries, but they're all fruits and they're all delicious. So I guess, uh, yeah. So the second thing would be to um, be very, very, very mindful of your thoughts because they create the feelings which cause um, the consequences and lead to actions and um, your words in general, the environment that we live in. So it all starts with our thoughts. So can I just uh, ask you to clarify? So it all starts with thoughts and emotions. So you talked about the positive neutrality and uh, neutrality and then positive, but the flip side would also be true, right? So if you have negative thoughts, you'll guarantee yourself to have negative consequences for sure. Correct. So it's inexorably. So that's the causality. Uh, causality. Thoughts, thoughts are thoughts are creative, mm -hmm. and because they are creative and they live inside this matrix we call the universe, and the universe has an inexorable law, which is called the law of causality. Mm -hmm. You put a thought into the matrix, and the matrix guarantees a consequence. Mm -hmm. the, the matrix doesn't care if the thought is positive or negative yeah. or neutral. The matrix is an actuator. It's an accelerant. It's a, it's a success magnet. Mm -hmm. You give it an input and it will guarantee you an output. Speaking of a, a yes, yes, man, your yes woman, our, our, that is you're describing that is that our, our, our subconscious is gonna produce, mm -hmm. gonna work itself out so that we do create whatever it is we're focused on yeah. before we go to the third the third um idea what are some of the ways that you what are some of your own personal practices that you're able to share with us on how you can be more mindful of your thoughts and you know i we're really we love this because this is really you know the conscious piece of what we're talking about. What are some of your own personal practices for our listeners who are listening and perhaps they have a level of awareness about this idea, but perhaps maybe they would like a little bit more ideas or direction on how they can begin to be even more mindful about the thoughts that they're thinking. Um, so like everything, it, it requires exercise. 
Uh, it requires practice. Uh, it's a process. Uh, for some people, it's easier than for others. For some people, it's faster than for others. Uh, and for some people, um, it's more necessary than for others. Um, but I guess there are three fundamental, pragmatic, practical, and simple things we can do um, to start the process. And the first one is to work towards a practice uh, every day in the mornings, if possible, uh, lead up to every day uh, to concentrate, do a concentration exercise every morning after you rise. It could be after your shower, it could be whilst you're having your cup of joe, it could be sitting in a lotus position, it could be sitting in your office, it could be looking out the window, it could be standing barefoot watching your dog play, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. What's important is that you dedicate at least 20 minutes every day shortly after or soon after you have woken up to concentrate on one thing. It could be to concentrate on your breath. It could be to concentrate on a, on a branch. It could be to concentrate on anything. Honestly, uh, the idea is to start developing your mental capacity to concentrate and focus on one thing mm. without allowing the, the distraction of the subconscious to invade your conscious mind. Uh, and to distract it with all the noise, the racing thoughts, and what have you. So learning how to concentrate and developing the capacity and the muscle for concentration requires time, just like working out, developing abs. I mean, it's as hard as getting a six-pack of abs. You know, all men want to get a six-pack, and 99% of them fail because it's freaking hard. I mean, it's probably one of the most difficult um, muscle groups to get tight, right? And m most, most of us just <laughs> fail to get there. But um, concentration is that good. Mm -hmm. Learning how to concentrate is as good as how good a six-pack looks <laughs> on a well-toned male. Um, so I guess learning to concentrate and doing the work to get there uh, has its challenges, but its rewards are orders of magnitude more than I could possibly describe. Mm. So concentration exercises every day for the rest of our lives. It's not like taking pill, you're no longer sick and now you're better. Oh, I learned how to concentrate. So no. Um, once you've gotten to the point where concentrating is as easy as flipping a switch, you're ready for the next level and then the next level and then the next level. And then soon after this, you'll find yourself being able to go into a concentration exercise and sitting or being completely um, focused for however long you choose. Um, and that 
level of mastery has no limit, it has no ceiling, and it has no end. Uh, so, you know, sky is the limit, uh, and uh, the only thing that ends it is death. Um, uh, but that's a completely different subject. So, so that's the first thing. I think the the second thing would be to practice throughout the day uh, moments of compassion. So, I guess you could you could call it compassion meditation or compassion attention or just to regroup whenever you have a moment and just find the time or the space within yourself to have some compassion for whatever, to think about uh, the people who are struggling in the world and to find a place of compassion within you, to think of a relative who's going through a hard time and have some compassion for them, to think of the millions of people on earth who are afflicted by torture and oppression and uh, countless afflictions and feel compassion for them, to have compassion for animals, to have mm -hmm. compassion for the earth, for nature. There's so many things we can be compassionate for. Mm -hmm. uh, we can feel compassion for ourselves uh, in many cases. So compassion is a derivative of love, love being the principle of all principles. Um, but to tell someone to feel love is just too general. So um, to focus it on an application like compassion allows for the softening of one's hardened indifference. Uh, and I think that that um, hardened indifference is uh, it's kind of like a virus and compassion allows for the softening to uh, perpetuate. So that's the second thing. Um, I believe I've lost connection. Oh, we're back. Okay, there you are. <laughs> Sorry about that, the Wi-Fi just cut out, Ari. And no worries. No worries. It's always, it's always <laughs> when the the frequency is so high in the love. You are just really talking about love. That, <laughs> oh, that Zoom. <laughs> yes, yes. It was too much for Zoom. You know, I I don't know how much we missed in in the gap of what you were still saying, but I really love the moments of compassion that resonates with me because compassion is one of my three words for 2021 and compassion last year one of the lessons i learned was to judge less you practice more compassion and you know i think judgment when we want to stop doing something it's so easy to just say well just stop judging <laughs> but there's got to be something to replace whatever you're stopping to think or stopping to do or stopping to behave. And last year I learned that really replacing judgment with compassion was a way to get me to drop into that heart space to feel connected to myself so I could feel connected to 
the situation I'm judging, whether it's myself, because um, typically we, if we're judging others, it's it's because we're judging ourselves in some way, right? And so what you just shared about having this moment um, of compassion and really thinking intentionally about what what is who is out there what is going on out there that people are contending with it really that's something uh, i love i'm gonna have to add that to my my rituals thank you for that yeah and i will take the six-pack analogy because you just you have the six-pack and then what <laughs> you want to maintain it you gotta you keep it practice it <laughs> you have to keep it you have to keep it uh, you know, the thing about uh, practice and compassion is that that's something um, um, you can do all day uh, mm -hmm. in, in bursts. You could do it for three minutes here, two minutes there. Um, you can do it when you're walking up or down the street, when you buy your coffee, wherever you buy your coffee, or if you bump into someone on the subway or they bump into you. Um, when you're waiting for the elevator or getting into one. So many different moments, somebody honks the horn on the highway, you're putting gasoline in the car, so many life moments. And the beauty about it is that your concentration meditation in the morning allows for you to have the wherewithal to focus on this one thing in little packets throughout the day. So the more you're able to concentrate the more likely you are to remember to feel compassion and to uh, bring it forward uh, into your conscious mind. Um, you know, I once read that the conscious mind is like the RAM memory of a computer and the subconscious mind is like the hard drive. The hard drive, yeah. yeah. Hard drive is infinitely more powerful and the RAM is orders of magnitude less powerful. Mm. So how can you reprogram the hard drive from the RAM memory? It's very hard. Uh, mm -hmm. So it takes time. Time to start depositing new thoughts into the hard drive so that you fill the hard drive with so much new uh, input that it has to get rid of old data that is no longer being used. And, you know, we are magnetic electric energy beings and so we function pretty much similar to that so the mm -hmm. less you use a feeling and an emotion the more corrupt it gets and the less your subconscious will be able to access it and send it up to your conscious mind so mm -hmm. the more compassion you practice the more compassion you embed into your subconscious and the more your subconscious might access that. Uh, so it's kind of a, a, a positive feedback loop. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. Awesome. It also so, made me, it also made me think of, of compassion. You know, we often talk about compassion is the initial thing that's got to be, that's got to exist before forgiveness occurs, before you can release something, you know, like releasing what no longer serves you. So if it's compassion, forgiveness, release, this is really, to your point, it's really going to keep that loop healthy mm -hmm. because that is what allows the, you know, 
that opening, I guess there's no, there's less blocking that's happening because when you are releasing and Mm -hmm. there's room for, there's space for the renewal, you know, or the rejuvenation, um, in the spirit of the new year, these words are like (laughs) everywhere right now. So the compassion is, is huge. So you've got two C's now, Ari. You said uh, uh, the, the first one was concentration. The second is compassion. Is there a third C? Or? No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> um, the third one is at the end of the day, uh, before bedtime. Um, and I guess uh, it would be a nice culmination of every day to practice a, a summary analysis. Mm-hmm. of your day uh, to recapitulate mm-hmm. on your day's events um, challenges that you faced where you reacted generally poorly mm-hmm. um, challenges you faced where you responded positively um, moments that you could have been more compassionate where you weren't. Um, Opportunities you could have taken that you chose not to, or you were afraid to. In general, uh, a 20 minute analysis of your, the highlights of your day um, is super helpful. Mm. And if, um, and if we were able to go to bed with that analysis, it is almost certain that over time, you will bring that analysis into your dream space and you will be able to work a lot of that out in your dream state, only to wake up the next morning with an introspection or a cumulative uh, compounding uh, that will add to who you are becoming. And so then your concentration exercise in the morning uh, will be the result of your previous day's successes. And then the concentration in the morning will be easier. Your compassion practice throughout the day will be uh, more fulfilling. And your analysis at the end of the day will be deeper. Um, I studied under a woman 20 years ago who told me that if we were able to reverse our day from the last thing that happened all the way through to the first thing that happened when we woke up in the morning, as though we were rewinding a tape, uh, and to be conscious of doing that very fast, uh, that we would arrive at enlightenment. (laughs) (laughs) So... Obviously, the, uh, the chances are minuscule that any of us will ever be able to do that mm. instantly. But, mm. uh, you know, when we dream, uh, space and time don't answer to the same limitations that they do when we're awake. Because the dream state belongs to the realm of the spiritual which doesn't have a space and time limitation so dreams happen um, at the speed that 
exists on the other side and that's not governed by the same limitations of matter mm-hmm. um, it doesn't travel at the speed of light mm-hmm. it was at the speed of thought mm-hmm. and so technically we we should be able to rewind the whole day in a matter of seconds uh, if we can go into a concentration mode <laughs> tap into that part of us that is our consciousness and uh, analyze our day uh, and so those three things I think are um, super simple to understand very hard to do um, but anyone can comprehend them mm-hmm. uh, anyone can choose to do them at any measure in any capacity and for um, for all intents and purposes it applies to any language any race any any sex any age uh, uh, you know, it should be taught in schools. Uh, it should be given to the elderly. It should be given to people who are going through difficult times. And it should be given to people who are just want to get better mm-hmm. from where they are. Uh, it's not judgmental. It's it's like completely um, um, empowering. It empowers everyone. So those three simple practices, I think, on a day-to-day basis over time um, will empower us to have uh, more control over our thoughts. And the more control you have over your thoughts, the better your life could be because causality will successfully produce a result. So if you concentrate and you practice compassion and you analyze your day, those three things will produce uh, within you, the capacity to have uh, control over your thoughts and um, having control over your thoughts produces a better inner inner world and a better external reality. So, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that whole bit is beautifully expressed and in the spirit of the seas. <laughs> Here is how you create the cycle of a positive mental attitude and, you know, sharing your three, your three tips there, which, you know, really, truly powerful, universal, timeless. Um, And, you know, people listening to this, I can feel already, you know, the, the immense impact that this is going to have on our audience. And so what would be what would be your third? So we talked about people, positive mental attitude. Now we're on to peas, it looks like. What would be <laughs> the, the third idea for leaders uh, today? Well, I think I'm going to take it to an extreme because I think this is also a universal factor. And I think that that's... Um, our relationship to dying. Mm. Um, There is a tremendous amount of fear around death. There is a a deep rooted um, psychical and psychological and personality driven human condition that uh, shapes 
um, who we are and what we do in and around death. So uh, this conversation is, is, is not trivial and I'm not trying to um, trivialize death, especially for those who have left suddenly and or because of an illness. But if we allowed ourselves to imagine for a moment that our consciousness that enlivens this lifetime and personality that is you or I um, was similar to you waking up in the morning, having an amazing, magnificent day, not wanting the day to end because it's awesome. The day was perfect. The weather was perfect. The company was perfect. It was a glorious day. No one wants a glorious day to end. No one wants the day to end. Everyone wants the day to go on. And many people say, I wish this day would never end. <laughs> and they try to stay awake as long as possible because they want the day to continue. But if we carry that analogy forward, no one fears going to sleep that day. And no one is terrified of going to sleep. In fact, they go to sleep um, peacefully and they know that the day was amazing and they wake up the next morning hoping to do it all over again. Not always the day is as awesome as the previous day. Usually those amazing splendiferous days are the exception, not the rule, uh, but they could become the rule. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that no one fears the idea of going to sleep. So what if we didn't fear going into death? And what if death was not the opposite of life, but death was the opposite of birth and life was birth, death, birth? What if the world accepted the idea that that was a cycle? Um, well, attachment and the idea of attachment would change. Uh, how we treat the planet would change. How we treat each other would change. Mm -hmm. um, many people wouldn't live their life thinking after me, the flood. <laughs> um, most of us would be much more caring, much more responsible. You know, we go on holiday and, you know, we clean the house, we make our beds and we leave the house nice and tidy so that when we come back from the holiday, the house is nice and well kept <laughs> and it's pretty and orderly receiving us back from holiday without a ton of work to fix the house up so that we could live in it. Well, planet Earth is probably the same thing it's our house and uh, when we go on holiday <laughs> into the time of death to introspect pretty much how we did those three moments of concentration compassion and analysis um, sleep time and death time are that the integration mm -hmm. of life just like the integration of the day so accepting death as part of the birth, death, birth cycle um, 
has a tremendous impact on how we choose to live our day-to-day -day life. It has a positive beneficial effect on all human beings um, because it would make them reconsider their acts of negligence. It would make them reconsider um, the damage that they could do. And uh, maybe it would make them more responsible because they'll come back to live in the mess they left behind. So I think that would be the third thing to mm. ponder on death. That's amazing. You know, I was going to suggest we have a separate episode about death uh, because, you know, we often talk about mortality is a motivation yeah. to live a life. And so, in fact, the tentative title of my book is Mortality and Motivation, but we'll see where that goes. Because, as you know, um, I've experienced six encounters with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has her, Trisha has had hers um, at a young age. And, you know, you know, this is this is amazing to have all these different analogies um, around death because it's it's really it's the one thing that's guaranteed for life, and yet we live in this fear. Yeah. So I want to yeah go ahead. Sorry, nothing. People just see death as a bad thing, and I I just don't I don't think that they would see it as a bad thing if they understood mm. its value. Exactly. So totally agree with that. So uh, just bringing it back to, to people who are listening to this, who are likely to be individuals. And we, we believe here uh, that leaders need not be corporate, you know, le you know leaders or, or have business and, and whatever. Leaders are leaders who are aware and are, have a sense of responsibility to all of the things you just mentioned. Um, and I know you've had uh, several leadership roles and you are a leader in your own right as you are. What are the, would you say, one or two uh, leadership lessons based on what you describe as, you know, these practices of all of these daily practices and others? I mean, obviously they're applicable to any human being that's living in this earth, living on this earth. And if we just take it for a moment that everyone's a leader of some sort, what what are the couple of things that you could think if you look back at your life and say these two major things I've learned have been have been the gifts of your, of your life that is not a question I'm prepared to answer effectively um, because I feel like I still haven't learned enough to have a definitive answer. Um, I do think that understanding that the meaning and the purpose of our lives or my life, mm -hmm. as I have come to uh, understand it, for me, I'm here to evolve and to grow. Mm -hmm. It's that simple for me. Okay. Um, I don't think that there is any greater meaning. I don't believe in fate. I believe that belief is a good trigger, but belief is not the same as knowing. So I think one of the 
qualities of accepting life as an evolutionary process is to understand the importance of belief and the danger of accepting belief as knowing. Mm. So yeah, start the process, be curious, uh, get to a point of believing that you're right, but then move towards confirming that what you believe is true and it is something you know to be true. Uh, not until then should it be considered to be a knowing uh, and not until then it should be considered to be true. So uh, use belief uh, carefully, um, but don't accept belief as truth and or as knowing because what ends up happening is that um, if most people start accepting belief as truth, mm. then a lie could become true in practice, even though in absolute terms, it's false. Many people believe the earth was flat and it never was, but in their reality, it was. Mm. And it it hindered them from exploring beyond the seas because they didn't want to fall off mm -hmm. <laughs> into the abyss. Uh, had they known all along that the earth was round, they would have never been afraid of falling off because obviously you can't fall off a round marble. Right. Um, so yeah, so one of the things I guess is to understand why you are here and to, uh, always move from belief to knowing. That's really amazing. Very powerful, Ari. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you could spend a lifetime doing that. Of course, of course. everything is a pursuit of a lifetime. Yeah. Every practice you just described is like, wow, man, you know, if we just sustain, because there's no Olympics, this is, this is practice. Yeah. Practice, right. Well, there's no other game in town, mate. This is it. <laughs> there's nothing else to do. <laughs> Might as well give it a go. Uh -huh. You know, use the tools that the universe has given you and uh, put them to work. Yep. There it is. There it is. There it is. I, I really, there's so much. <laughs> um, I do want to, I, I want to hear just one more thought about the knowing, because that's the interesting thing about the duality is the in there, there, there is a knowing and there's also the unknown. Can you speak a little bit about that too? Yeah. So, you know, there are some questions that we will never have the answers to. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some answers that we will never have. I mean, never, no matter how evolved you become. Mm -hmm. uh, like, how did that which created everything from the nothing come to be? Well, <laughs> okay, you can ponder on that. Uh, on, you know, for the next infinity and never get there because, you know, like the one fish told the other, hey, how's the water? The other fish is going to say, what water? So, um, I guess there must be some um, measure of 
discernment. Um, albeit there is nothing wrong with going after a question that you will never have the answer to, because in the process, I'm sure you will have infinite opportunities to arrive at a countless number of answers that you probably didn't even imagine you were going after. But in the pursuit of that one big question, you will learn many answers. Uh, so I guess if you want to be practical and pragmatic, your choice of pursuits from knowing, from belief to knowing should be more discreet, more discerning. If you're a philosopher, your choices will be different than if you're a pragmatist. Um, in the more practical world of business and leadership and uh, corporate world and making money, you may believe your idea is good, but knowing your idea is good is always better. Uh, so that's what research is for. Um, and that's what, you know, market tests are for. That's what blind placebo uh, pharmaceutical uh, trials are for. So um, you can have a much closer understanding that what you believed at first is so. If truth is certainty in recognition of the reality. And it is, and if it is true that reality is relative, reality on this side mm -hmm. is relative, then relativity calls for consensus, which is agreement. So truth can be absolute, but truth can also be agreed to by mm -hmm. consensus. Mm -hmm. So there's always going to be a chasm between what is absolutely true and what is agreed to be true. The trick is to match what is absolutely true with what is agreed to be true and that they should be the same. So belief is a mechanism by which you reach a consensus and then through that consensus, you seek to match it with the absolute truth. How do you know what is the absolute truth? Time, research, analysis, introspection, confirmation, a telescope. <laughs> <laughs> it could be many things. It could be a microscope. It doesn't have to be a telescope. Mm -hmm. um, so use belief constructively, but don't replace belief with knowing. Uh, otherwise, you will abandon the pursuit of knowledge. You know, that yeah. resonates so much because a lot of what we talk about is really inviting people to participate in what they know to be true, to ask more questions, to not just take whatever it is they're reading or whatever it is they're seeing on the news today as facts, because there's so many, you know, depending on who it is, you are getting your information from, there's just so many different 
pieces of information out there that are causing a lot of divides. And so what I'm, for me, what I'm taking from what you just shared is really this, to me, one, one, one thing I know is, you know, I know that to go back to what you shared about number two, this positive mental attitude and those practices, I know that um, by taking something negative or, you know, a negative thought can be flipped. I know that to be true. I know that a positive thought should be grounded that I know to be true. And so I know, I know within me, our answers I'm looking for that it doesn't have to just be where I'm waiting for someone to tell me what I think I should know in terms of my own, my own beingness. So people listening to this, I think really will benefit from just checking in with themselves in this, in this new year, in this world, because we don't have a shortage of information out there and you can get it from any source. You know, what is our own responsibility in what information we're taking in and what we're doing with that and then how we're sharing it. Yes. I do want to ask the question one more time, the, the, the knowing versus belief. So earlier, we, you know, you said the belief, you know, you need to be careful in how you use it because you may be believing it falsely. The other side of knowing is that you can't be aware that you just know everything, right? There's no uh, the pursuit. So it is both sides of what you think you know versus what you think you believe have to be chosen carefully so that you you pursue mm -hmm. something with you know real authenticity for you and not have judgments and assumptions that go along with i know i know i know right that sort of thing so is that is that fair to to say it that way yeah i think that people People marry their beliefs and what they believe, what they believe becomes their truth. Mm. Uh, and what, what I'm working towards is to understand that I have my beliefs, but my beliefs are not the truth. My beliefs are the path I am on towards the truth. And the only way to arrive at that truth is through a series of experiences, confirmation with other people who share a similar belief. Mm -hmm. And over time, maybe I get confirmation in a absolute certain manner that my belief is so, mm -hmm. or maybe I do not. But I don't take it for granted that my beliefs are just that, they are beliefs. Right. And if we can all accept the fact that many of our beliefs are just that, and they aren't necessarily true, mm -hmm. one would be more tolerant of other people's points of view. One would have more patience for a discerning view or a dissenting view or mm -hmm. a different point of view mm -hmm. or a disagreeing perspective. If you mm -hmm. knew that your beliefs weren't true, <laughs> then you would be open yeah, and you'd exactly. be 
accepting of a different point of view that might confirm that you're right or wrong. Yes. We actually, we, you know, we've had many conversations where we celebrate whenever we've proven ourselves wrong. Wrong. And I, I, I mean, it happened a couple of months ago where I voted in a way I never imagined I would. (laughs) And so I, I called Raju and I said, I don't, Wow, everything I thought about me to be true, or I believed about me to be true, I don't know who I am today. And that's really exciting. It, it actually was a very, mm-hmm. um, for me, it felt very positive that I don't have to, to your words, be married to what I believed before, that in this present moment, I can practice this sermon and be able to choose differently. And I'm okay, I'm still me, I'm still whole. And it was a, it was a moment of growth. It was a bold and conscious move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sure was. <laughs> well, we, 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 we certainly seek to practice what we preach, so. Um, Good for you, yeah. good for you. So. Uh, that and you will teach other people that they don't have to be who they've always been. I know. So we, we really appreciate this. So one last thing. Uh, I know there's, there's always so much learning, wisdom. We, we know that there's nothing, not a moment to be taken for granted anywhere. Uh, so certainly I have learned a lot from you. Uh, I'm sure we As have. I have, yes. And learning never stops. It's a co-creative process. So we, um, you know, our audience also don't take anything for granted. And that's the kind of thing we want to build for, for, for our audience as well going forward. That, so we really, really appreciate your presence here. And um, do you, in that context, what discoveries might you've had in this call here or in this conversation, if any? Um, that there are more of us out there than we think. Hmm. Hmm. Whoa, whoa. I felt that. <laughs> I just felt like a woof. I felt that, Ari. <laughs> and and that the the people listening are in that in that ripple effect of of you, uh, and hopefully us that we're really causing a wave that's, uh, you know, going to expand. Yeah. So really, I really appreciate you, my friend. And so every time I feel I talk with you or hear you, I feel like. I'm growing leaps and bounds. It's really, really, Take really fun to know one, mate. I feel the same. And um, I do find that we are always attracted to like energy and resonant energy. So uh, we shall meet again and, um, and again and again. And again. And yeah. again. <laughs> and in the process of death and birth, we shall meet again. Yes. Uh, so keep the light on, keep the torch lit, and um, let the light shine so that everyone can see how special they all are and how powerful we can all be together. Mm-hmm. So, Thank well. you so much, Ari. This really has just been an hour plus of just heart and truth sharing mm-hmm. um really beautiful we're so excited that you were able to 
join us today and we were able to have this conversation and and i appreciate you for saying uh, what you said right before we went into the third thing which was the topic about relationship with death you said i'm gonna go to the extreme here i i really i got super excited in that (laughs) moment Yeah, we you love. know, that was really that that whole piece right there. I'm going to be playing that back and listening to that because mm-hmm. there's just so much value there. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, more people would benefit and really be able to set themselves free if they were to be able to shift their beliefs around death mm-hmm. or the fear of or and all this uncertainty. It has the potential of redefining what it is to be a human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, (laughs) thank you so much. And um, Ari, don't- Friends, stay strong. Take good care. Thank you, Ari. Take care. Take care. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if so, make sure to subscribe, download, and share it with your sphere of influence. You know, we bring a variety of topics to you, and it's like a masterclass for those topics, and it's all free. So take a screenshot, share it on your social media, and add the hashtag BoldConsciousConnections so that we can find you, see you, maybe say hello. And if you want to deep dive into some of the topics that we bring to you, uh, find us at www.livemasterminds.com and get to know us. Take care.